Welcome to the One Foot Down Podcast. I'm Eric Murtaugh back talking about the Arizona State game, uh, the debacle in the desert as it's been labeled by Brian Kelly in one of his press conferences. Pretty tough loss for Notre Dame. Um, I can't say I'm too shook up about it. I did predict Notre Dame to lose this game. I thought uh, this would be a tough place for them to go on the road, pick up a win. Um, you know, seven and two, still pretty good record so far through this season. Although the schedule's been, um, you know, pretty weak for Notre Dame standards, and it kind of stinks that they've lost their their two big games this year. That Florida State game. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever be able to really put that behind us. I guess we have no other option but to do just that. Uh, this Arizona State game, a little bit different feel. Well, it's a completely different feel, really. Uh, Pretty strange game. I mean, Arizona State doesn't even score any points in the third quarter, and they end up with 55 points. You know, I, I wrote in my review on Monday, if you had, if I had told you that Notre Dame would have limited quarterback uh, Taylor Kelly to uh, 17 completions and 224 yards, you probably thought that Notre Dame is going to win the game. You know, last year Notre Dame really bottled up Arizona State's rushing attack. Uh, I don't really remember the what the yardage was, but it was probably less than 50 yards last year. But this year, um, you know, Arizona State did pretty well running the ball. I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but, of course, everyone wants to talk about the turnovers. Um, Everett Golson's playing this game. You know, it's kind of gone from uh, he's the hero to the GOAT in a, in a very short amount of time. It's interesting. I mean, it's kind of, I guess, every quarterback has to go through that. And I guess Golson's no different. At some point, you're going to hit a rough patch in your career. And you think about it, I mean, Golson's had a pretty, uh, I wouldn't say flawless career, but he's he's had an, a very nice career so far uh, at Notre Dame. He's only lost three games uh, in almost two full years. You know, I, I, the turnovers are, are, are just are really, really interesting to me because coming into the season, he was like one of the best quarterbacks in Notre Dame history at protecting the ball. He had a little bit of a fumbling problem uh, in 2012, but it wasn't nearly as bad as this year. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with him being more of a playmaker, being asked to do more, uh, putting more of the, of the offense on his back, on his shoulders and stuff like that. You know, he's just he's trying to do a lot more. But, you know, the interceptions – are pretty high. I thought he might go up to about 11 or 12 in the entire season for 2014, just because he was going to be throwing a little bit more than uh, his first season at Notre Dame. And, you know, you throw one pick a game. That's not really that bad. I think, especially in this modern day and age of uh, college football, he's, you know, you look at Jameis Winston right now. I think he probably has the same amount of interceptions as Golson does, but, uh, you know, he's got 11 picks right now over, on 334 attempts, it's, I mean, it's not good. It's not terrible. Um, you know, the thing is you kind of compare that to Tommy Reese and say, well, you know, Reese throws that many interceptions and it's the end of the world, but Reese isn't really doing a lot of the other things that Golson's doing. And on top of that, let's not really forget that Golson is having a really productive year um, throwing the ball. He's 8.3 yards per attempt. That's really good. Here he has 24 touchdown passes. Um, you know, 
recently 27 last year. So Golson's probably going to go over 30 touchdown passes. Uh, he can, obviously he can do a lot more with his legs. Um, I think he's still leading the team in rushing touchdowns. So he obviously, I mean, stating the obvious that he brings a lot more to the table than Tommy. Uh, but, you know, I'm not really that upset about the interceptions, even the ones on Saturday. I mean, obviously it sucks that that happened and it really cost Notre Dame in that game. But I'm not going to say it's just bad luck, but I do think it's kind of an argument to be made there that, you know, he didn't make the right decisions on some of those interceptions, but it still needed some circumstances to, you know, first of all, how many tip balls get picked off? I mean, it happens, but you don't see it happen twice in one game. Very rarely. You don't see, you know, two tip balls in one game with one being a pick six, really another third tip ball off Robinson's hand. That's another pick six. He's hit on the one to start the second half. I mean, I would be really concerned if this was a, a case of Everett Golson making a bad read. Now, you can make the case, uh, and Lars had his, his post today on, on what happened in those interceptions. You could make the case. He didn't make the right read. He should have thrown towards the blitz. He threw away from it. But I think that's a little bit different. I mean, still, the defender has to make a good play, tip it. Someone has to catch it. I mean, that's a tough play. And, uh, you know, a lot of defensive linemen are, just aren't good enough to do that. It's really hard to do. Um, and, and, like, I don't know what the odds are. Maybe eight times out of ten, the ball just falls help, uh, helplessly to the, to the turf. So I would be more concerned if Golson was throwing passes like he did uh, late in the Syracuse game, you know, coming out of the timeout. Just a really sloppy read. Um, a bad read doesn't see the safety at all, and it just gets picked off easily. You look at his interceptions this year, and uh, you don't really see a lot of quote-unquote bad interceptions. Um, you know, I'm going to pull up his interceptions here and try to go through them. First three games, he doesn't have any interceptions, and everything's going great. You know, very very little interceptions in 2012. I mean, he's on pace to, like, shatter the Notre Dame record for protecting the ball through the air. Then he has those two against Syracuse. Um, the one, I don't know if we ever really got a great look at it. It seemed like he threw it a little bit too far. Uh, I thought the the receiver could have made a little bit better play on the ball. Um, I guess you could – maybe that's kind of a 50-50 ball. It wasn't a terrible interception. The second one was definitely probably, I would say, his second worst of the season. Um, just a, a lazy throw coming out of timeout, pick six. Uh, the one against Stanford was probably up there as one of the worst of the season. Rolling out to his left kind of throws a, a pretty stupid pass a guy that wasn't going to catch it anyway or it would have been a really tough grab on the sideline that gets picked off a nice play by the Stanford DB um, you know North Carolina I thought kind of a bad throw he threw it a little bit behind I think if he threw the ball a little bit more out in front of Koyak that it's maybe an incompletion but the linebacker read that really well I thought he should have protected the ball there so you know they got a couple there that are bad bad decisions. I don't really hold either of the Florida state ones against him. You know, the first one against Florida state was similar to Arizona state. And the fact that he went away from the blitz, if he had looked to where the guys were coming off the, uh, to his right, he would have had open receiver. Uh, but he, again, he gets hit on that throw. I, I thought the second interception really wasn't an interception. And that's kind of a half Hail Mary attempt. Anyway, um, the Navy one, uh, Brian Kelly has already put that on Amir Carlisle. Uh, that was his fault. 
And then, of course, I, I, don't, I don't really blame Golson for making terrible decisions with any of those four interceptions against Arizona State. So, you know, 11 interceptions and maybe like three or four are just really stupid, dumb interceptions. So I think I'd, I would really be surprised if Golson finishes the last three or four games with, you know, you know, six or seven interceptions. I would probably, if the under, the over-under is set like three and a half, I would take the under. I think, you know, statistically, he's been, he's shown he's he's good enough throwing the ball and he's smart enough and he's got a good enough arm, an accurate arm, that he's not going to continue throwing, you know, two to three picks every single game. So in that sense, I'm not worried about it. Um, just going back to this Arizona State game, I mean, you look at it, it just got out of hand so quickly, and I think it really kind of perverted the way that people looked at the game just because of the turnovers. I mean, uh, Lars, in his in, in his review of what went wrong with the turnovers, you know, he, he mentions that Notre Dame made some adjustments about the eight-minute mark of the second quarter, and at that point, Notre Dame's losing 31-3. to I mean, Holy cow, I mean, you just don't really ever think you're going to be behind that far in the game so early. Um, you know, it was – Notre Dame had the ball with three minutes and 39 seconds left in the first quarter. It's 3-3. Three to three. They have the ball. It's 3-3. Three to three. I mean, fast forward, and, I mean, this just flew by in, in real time. <laughs> Excuse me, fly by. 11 minutes and 12 seconds left in the second quarter, so barely – you know, anything had gone by in the game and it's 31 to three, just like that. And then, you know, you look at the, what, what kind of happened there and it's not like, you know, Notre Dame spent two or three quarters and Golson just kept making bad read after bad read after bad read. And it, you know, he made 15 bad reads and form over interceptions. And, he, you know, he had another stupid fumble. I mean, this is a really small amount of plays that happened. Um, you know, just going through what happened is three, it's three to three Notre Dame has the ball an incomplete pass to, uh, to Chris Brown, and then Golson fumbles on the next play. Arizona State scores a touchdown um, on one of their kind of quasi-illegal plays that they run. Uh, Nurning gets the ball back, boom, tip pass on the very first play of the drive, picked off. Um, they score a touchdown off of that. Next drive, try to get the run game going with Folston. He runs for one yard. He runs for negative two yards, and then Golson completes a pass to Corey Robbins for, for first down for 13 yards. Go back to Folson again. And I thought this was interesting because during the game, I thought for sure Brian Kelly was going to get away from the from the pass. You look at the, his statistics, and they, they pretty much mirror uh, the average coach. I mean, if Notre Dame's down by seven to seven or ten or more points, he tends to get tends to throw the ball about 60%, 70% of the time. I thought this was interesting that he kind of stuck with the run here a little bit. Um, you know, Folston got four carries here out of those first five plays uh, on this series, trailing 17-3. to three. Um, That bled into the second quarter. Second quarter starts. Looks like maybe Notre Dame's going to get into this game. Golson rushed for eight yards. Um, I think that's one where he danced around a little bit, found some space, and then dove down for eight yards. And then, boom, next play, uh, the pick six, to play. Uh, Randall takes it back for another touchdown. Uh, Notre Dame gets the ball back, and they basically go three and out. And uh, Arizona State scores a long touchdown pass a few plays later. So, I mean, 
you add that up, it's about 15, 16 plays that Notre Dame ran, and that pretty much just cost them the game right there. I mean, they were, they built this giant hole, and uh, you know, it's such a small sample size that again, that's not. I'm not really pulling my hair out too concerned about. Um, you know, the turnover issues. I mean, fumbling, I think, is a, a lot bigger deal because I just don't really see that ever changing for for Golson. You know, I do think that it's part of the way he carries the ball, the part partly to do with the way that he handles himself in the pocket. And I'm working on a post about his pocket presence that he'll fill have up maybe in a week or so. It might be two weeks. We'll see uh, what kind of stuff's posted on the Internet with some of the videos trying to get a better look at some stuff. But, uh, you know, I just think, I just think he's kind of a, a smaller quarterback. I don't think he has very big arms. You know, there's just not a lot of, like, meat on his forearms to protect the ball when he's running. And, um, you know, I think the one against Arizona State, he puts the ball literally on the ground to try to brace himself, and he loses it. So uh, the fumbling, I don't well, I don't know. It, I, you kind of just hope that maybe that, that's an every-other-game type of deal, every three games, but – I don't know. I don't really ever see that really being fixed if it's not fixed by now. I mean, you see running backs, they have fumbling issues. They kind of figure it out. And we kind of forget about it. But with Golson, I don't know. It's just going to probably be something that Notre Dame's going to have to live with. But interceptions, I think, uh, not as concerned with those. And, uh, you know, fumbling is it, fumbling is terrible. It, it really kind of sucks the life out of a team, I think, a lot more than an interception. Um you know, interceptions, hopefully, you know, well, he threw the ball down 25 yards downfield. It's almost like a little quasi-punt. I've used quasi in this podcast now twice. But with fumbling, you know, you always, it's always you lose yardage. It always seems to happen in your own territory. You always give up points off of it. So uh, the fumbling is definitely a bigger issue as far as I'm concerned. But in this game, you know, you got to give Notre Dame credit. They fought back. Um, I don't think I ever really thought they were going to win the game. But boy, when it got to thirty-four to thirty-one, uh, and they flashed on the screen, ABC crew that they would have been the second biggest comeback in FBS history. And it was like, oh, that's going to curse it. They're not coming back now. And, you know, just the way the game ended was was really tough to watch. It didn't really feel like a, a blowout loss at all. Uh, you know, we've talked about with the playoff rankings and everything about how. Michigan State was winning at Oregon in the third quarter and ended up getting blowed out. But, you know, kind of a similar situation here. Notre Dame never took the lead, but crawl within three points uh, with seven minutes left, and then you ended up losing by 24 points is is pretty crazy. Um, A lot of people talking about that touchdown at the end by Arizona State. I'm not really that upset about it. I've always been in the, in the, the camp that says, you don't want them to score a touchdown, then stop them. I think that's that's just the way I look at things. You know, you don't want Todd Graham to put that extra uh, touchdown in the end zone, then make sure that he doesn't, or you know, get a turnover there or something to keep yourself alive. I know it was really late in the game, but um, you know, I have a kind of interesting thoughts on Todd Graham. I think he's pretty well disliked by Notre Dame fans. Obviously, coaching Tulsa to a win back in 2010 against Notre Dame. You know, I think nationally he's getting a, he's always received a lot of criticism for the way he handled things at Pitt, staying there for a year and kind of bolting in, in, in a kind of a crappy manner. I don't really put him up there with a lot of 
other hated coaches. I don't, I wouldn't say that I like them, but um, I can't really blame a guy for wanting to get the heck out of pit as quickly as possible. So, I mean, it was kind of funny with everything and everyone had a good time with that. And, but, uh, you know, he's doing some good things at Arizona State, uh, doing some, some good recruiting, mixing it in with some JUCOs. So they could probably be a good team. I kind of maybe make a case that they're a good deal stronger than Arizona right now. It'll be interesting to see how they finish up the season playing against Richrod in that last game against the Wildcats. So, you know, Arizona State, you got to tip the cap to them. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, if Notre Dame doesn't turn the ball over, they win this game. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, just look, rip the the points off the turnovers or the pick sixes away, and it's a lot closer game. And maybe Notre Dame wins. But I thought Arizona State really deserved to win this game. Um, yeah, I was looking at some of the advanced stats. Um, I think Bill Conley posted something to the effect that Arizona State really just played great on both sides of the ball. And I think that really played out. I mean, that's kind of what we saw. They they did some good things on offense. They kind of went into a shell a little bit and allowed Notre Dame to get back into it. I don't know why they went away from their hurry-up offense and all that. But, uh, you know, they ran the ball. I thought that was probably the one thing. I mean, obviously turnovers were, were sticking out. But after the game, I really was like, man, I was really surprised how well Arizona State ran the ball in this game. They kind of didn't really do anything in the middle of the game. And, but then towards the end, I mean, Notre Dame really needed that stop when they got within three and then boom, DJ Foster rips off a few runs and uh, you know, he especially was getting to the edge. I really didn't think that he would be able to do that. Um, mixing it up, going up the middle too. He ended up with 120 yards. Uh, Arizona state on the whole had 188 yards. I really didn't think that Notre Dame was going to be giving up that many yards on the ground. And, uh, you know, it's you kind of have to look at this defense for what it is. I don't – they haven't really been playing that well. Um, caught some flack on the site for uh, being a little bit too negative. I didn't think I was too negative. I kind of thought I was calling it like I saw it. I didn't think Notre Dame's defense has really played all that well except for the first half of the Florida State game. But stretching back to North Carolina, they haven't really played all that well. You know, Yards per play, points, take whatever you want. They haven't really been doing anything that great statistically. Now they're going to get an opportunity this weekend against Northwestern to uh, surely do some good things, but I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I mean, it always seems like I produce some predictions on the site, and let's say a team is averaging 25 points a game. Well, everyone thinks, well, we're, we're a good defense. We're going to hold them to 15 points a game or 18 points a game. You know, I don't think it would be really crazy if Northwestern, um, you know, had a, an okay day on defense or on offense. I mean, their offense is really bad. Um, they've been really struggling lately on offense. But uh, I can't say that I'm, like, overly confident with Notre Dame's defense right now, and I don't think really anyone sh- should be. They miss so many young players. Uh, you know, the blitzing doesn't seem to work as well as it did earlier in the season. They can't get uh, any push or any pressure on the quarterback with a four-man rush uh, with their four-down lineman. That's not happening. Uh, so that's frustrating. I mean, the defense, I thought, I wouldn't blame the – obviously not blaming the defense for losing this Arizona State game, but they certainly weren't immune from criticism. They 
let up a long touchdown pass, that one long touchdown drive at, towards the end of the game that gave Arizona State 10 points was just an absolute killer. Um, you know, I, I think if Notre Dame is going to win that game, that's that's the point where you need your defense to step up and, uh, and, and, and get the ball back there and hopefully take a lead for the first time in the game. So pretty uh, frustrating game. 28 points off of turnovers for Arizona State. Golson did pass for a career high, 446 yards. Um, I can't believe how little that's been mentioned. Um, you know, anytime a quarterback throws four interceptions, I guess they're not going to focus on how many yards he passed, he threw four, but 446 yards and only 22 completions. I mean, that he was really uh, slicing up the secondary of Arizona State once they kind of made some adjustments. Uh, in that second quarter, I remember looking at the stat. They flashed it on the screen. I think at one point he had like two hundred and like eighty something yards on twelve completions or something. To that point in the game, it's like wow, he's really starting to to uh, to kill Arizona State. And you know, Notre Dame came back, scored what was it, twenty four points or twenty eight points in a, in a row, twenty four or twenty eight unanswered points to get right back in the game. Um, you know, Will Fuller came in, played well, 95 yards. I thought Carlisle had probably his best game um, since he's been at Notre Dame. Did a couple nice things on kickoffs. He had a career high 92 yards. Really looked well, really nice on that one run down the sidelines, kind of bobbing and weaving through traffic. The one thing with Carlisle is that I people say that he could maybe add some depth at running back. I don't really see him as a running back at all. Um, I don't think he's really tough enough. I don't think he's a, a strong enough runner. But on that play, he waved his way through traffic and, you know, not sure if he really broke any tackles. I'd have to go back and look at it. But he seemed like he shrugged off a couple arm tackles on that play and ran through uh, with with some power. He, I, th- I still think he's a little too dainty to be a, a full-time running back. At, um, you know, I don't really think he's – I've said this before. I don't think he weighs as much as they list him at, but – that's neither here nor there. CJ Procise, um, I've been working on something, like I said, on Golson's pocket presence, and uh, I'm really impressed with Procise as an athlete. I mean, in terms of, like, yards after catch, he really stands out to me among all the Notre Dame players. Well, Fuller stands out in a different way. He's quick. Uh, he's shifty. But... He doesn't have that physicality that Procise has. Procise gets the ball, and he really does look like an NFL player out there, the way he runs. He's running powerful. He's fast. Uh, it'd be nice to see if he could add some uh, agility, a little bit more agility, some moves to his arsenal. Uh, but I think Procise is really going to be a very good receiver by the time he's a senior, and he's having a nice season this year. Um, you know, the defense, I already talked about the struggles. I don't really think there's a whole lot to go over. Brian Kelly mentioned that there was the defensive line's worst game of the the season. And I can kind of see where he was coming from on that. They didn't really stop the run very well. Uh, some of that's on the linebackers. But, you know, they're trying to get after uh, Taylor Kelly, and they didn't have a very good uh, didn't have a very good day on Saturday doing that. So, Rams got to look forward to this weekend. Hopefully, they get back on track with with a convincing win over Northwestern. Uh, finishing up my preview of the Wildcats now. Uh, 
very interested to see what kind of team comes out of the tunnel from Northwestern. They've lost four straight games. Figure they're going to be really pumped up for this game. So uh, hopefully Notre Dame moves to eight and two, and uh, we can look forward to a big game with Louisville uh, for Senior Day in a couple weekends. College football playoff rankings. We've got another ranking out on Tuesday night. Mississippi State held on to their number one record. They're going to play Alabama this weekend. I don't think anybody's Mississippi State, so it'll be interesting to see how far Mississippi State would fall if indeed Alabama did win that game. I wouldn't think that Mississippi State would fall past eight. That's where the kind of the cutoff line right now is for the one-loss teams. Ohio State's at eight. Um, I would imagine Mississippi State will probably fall probably at seven, maybe, I would say, right behind Baylor. That makes a lot of sense to me. Now, maybe the more intriguing thing is where do you put Alabama if they win this game? Um, you know, my new Bama's schedule is backloaded. They're going to start winning some of these games. They're probably a shoo-in for the playoffs if they kind of win out and get to the SEC title game. Um, they should probably win the SEC title game against whoever it's going to be, Georgia or Missouri or whoever. Oregon surprisingly moves up ahead of Florida State, who still hasn't lost. I kind of like what the committee did there. they putting a lot of emphasis on your number of wins against ranked opponents. Um, Oregon has more than Florida State. Florida State hasn't looked all that, that great in recent weeks. Oregon's looked pretty good. You know, a lot of people are complaining after that first ranking that, oh, they're not going to re-rank this every week and it's going to be just like the BCS. And if a team's at five and the team at six isn't going to be able to jump them without the other team losing, well, here you go. Here's the committee doing what they said they're going to do. And, I, you know, I, I, like, I like that they're doing this. I think, you know, they're not just saying, you know, team A, B, and C all won. Let's just slide them up because team D lost. Um, they're looking at resumes every week and they're, they're – uh, Checking things out, and uh, I really, you know, I, I, I'm not really too surprised at the amount of criticism that the playoff community has received. I think it's more funny. I mean, I, I, I do think that uh, there is just a, a pretty large segment of, of college football fandom that we're going to be not on board with this no matter what. They were going to cry foul no matter what the committee's done. I think the committee's done a pretty fine job so far. I can't really complain a whole lot with anything, you know. Notre Dame fans want to mention Michigan State and why they're at 12 and Notre Dame's at 18. But, you know, Notre Dame fans want to dismiss Nebraska, and that doesn't matter. I mean, we haven't beaten any ranked teams. Michigan State has. I mean, it makes sense. Notre Dame fans don't really want to accept that. You know, I, I just I don't really have much patience for trying to tr- trying to drum up, you know, fake – anger for something like that. It's not really that important to me. You know, I think the committee's done a, a good job. I think people lose sight of the fact that they're doing things very similar to the way the college basketball committee does things. The only difference is they're releasing these every week and it just gives up people opportunity to get angry every week and angry at new things. And it's one of these interesting things where, you know, it's something new every week, you know, one week someone's angry about this team isn't being, this team's too high because they're not, they don't care about strength of schedule. And then the next week, you know, that maybe that gets rectified because that team played someone good and won. And then 
the next week someone's talking about, well, why is this two loss team ahead of this one loss team? And, you know, it, it's almost like people are just throwing darts at a dartboard to try to find new issues. And, you know, I, I'm not even going to get into the, the, the conspiracy theories and all that stuff. I, it's just way too early for any of that stuff. And just the fact that people are throwing that out there at this point just really makes it seem like people are kind of desperate to, uh, to discredit what's going on with the playoffs. And I've made no bones about it. I totally on board with the playoffs. You know, I like, I think eight teams is, is the way to go, but I'm okay with the four teams. I, I can't wait for the, uh, the semifinals and, and all the, just to see how different this postseason is. I really didn't like college football's postseason, um, you know, my whole life and throughout history, just really silly and kind of pointless when you think about it. Um, you know, some people don't agree with that, but that's fine. I really like uh, what's been going on with this whole playoff thing. And, and uh, you know, conspiracy theories are not. Notre Dame lost two games and we're out of the hunt. And uh, that's just something we're going to have to deal with uh, moving forward. Hopefully we can kind of finish the season strong and uh, get into one of those big bowl games. I'd like to see, I think I just saw something on the site. Someone said that, uh, projected to play bowl, uh, Baylor in one of the in one of the bowl games that would be a fun matchup uh, would, wouldn't really love our defense playing against Baylor's offense and uh, I think they might you know the, the odds are that Baylor would probably put a good look in on Notre Dame right now more than Notre Dame would win that game but that's a matchup I think would be really fun to see and uh, you know maybe Notre Dame could uh, spend the month or however long it's going to be getting prepared for that game and maybe, you know, playing pretty well against Baylor and surprising me, but you know, I don't want anything to do with Baylor's offense right now. Uh, they just completely destroyed Oklahoma. So, uh, you know, this, we're going to kind of sort things out here. Mississippi state's undefeated. Everyone thinks they're going to lose. Um, Oregon kind of had their last tough game. You know, I think they're still going to be in a dogfight in whoever they play in the Pac-12 championship. Um, Florida State's probably a lock, I guess. Although it looks like Miami's going to give them a pretty good game. Vegas thinks that one's going to be close. TCU's going to be interesting because they slide up into the four spot. And, again, I think the BCS slash AP poll mentality is, well, you're at number four, you went out, you should make it. But I don't think that's going to happen with TCU. I mean, people have been – they said, well, Baylor won that game against TCU head-to-head, and why is Baylor at seven and TCU is at four? Well, TCU's resume is better right now, and, again, that's what this committee's doing. They're looking at resumes. and But Baylor's going to have the opportunity to play some, some tough games uh, to improve their resume down the stretch. So they could definitely jump um, over TCU. Uh, Alabama... Arizona State. I mean, these teams can jump TCU. TCU is really much, pretty much done. They don't have a championship game to play. Uh, I don't think they have uh, anybody worthwhile to play with the rest of the season. So they've already got their tough games out of the way. And this is a case where, you know, you're sitting at four week 12, but you're going to probably fall to seven because, you know, if these other teams win, their resumes are going to look better and yours isn't. So Ohio State, um, probably not going to be able to make it, although – they need Nebraska to keep winning so that Big Ten championship game 
uh, is kind of a, a big game between two double-digit victory teams. Uh, I think Nebraska plays Wisconsin this weekend, so that'll be one to watch. Um, so not all is lost for Notre Dame. You know, I thought this was going to be an 8-4 season. I didn't think the defense was going to be all that great this year. i very surprised at how well they played early in the season. It kind of looks like um, that so-so defense is kind of what we're getting right now. I mean, can't really blame them. New defensive coordinator. I think teams are kind of adjusting. We just lost so many players to injuries and suspensions. And, you know, it's tough sledding now. But Notre Dame has a good offense. I don't think we're talking about it enough. You know, one of the big things this year, heading into this year, was, well, this is a make-or-break year for Brian Kelly. He's play caller, and he needs to take over and, you know, show us that he knows what he's doing. And, and you know, one of the, the, the big things from the Humphers was that, you know, Notre Dame needs to average, you know, X amount of points this year or, you know, whatever. Nor Brian Kelly isn't a good offensive mind, whatever you want to say, whatever, whatever, whatever. Well, you know, through nine games, Notre Dame is averaging 35 points a game. Now, I thought they were going to be probably 32 to 33. So, I mean, that's really good so far this year. And they're not getting a ton of help from the defense in terms of like defensive touchdowns. And there's not really, there's no special teams touchdowns. I mean, come on, let's get serious. This is a pretty much that 35 points. That's all on the offense. Um, And, you know, I don't really think that's been talked about enough this year. I mean, I wouldn't, I didn't expect it this week because all turnovers and, you know, Arizona State scoring 55 points kind of overshadows the fact that Notre Dame, again, scored 30-plus points. But, you know, 35 points a game at Notre Dame is really good. And, uh, you know, we'll see if they raise that average this weekend. I think most people will say that they will. I think this is going to be a a weird game for Notre Dame. I don't know if they're going to get quite up to that many points. Um, But I'll talk about that in my preview with Northwestern. So uh, 35 points per game, I think. It's not being talked about enough. Brian Kelly, um, he's done some good things with offense this year. Hopefully, Golson gets some of his uh, turnover things under control here. I, I kind of expect that he will. So, Northwestern this weekend. Hopefully, the next podcast we're talking about how well Notre Dame played. Looking forward to that game against Louisville. So, uh, I'm going to get out here, finish up this preview of the Northwestern Wildcats, and I will see you next week.